I would interview people. In fact, they didn't even know I was the hiring manager. They didn't even know I was interviewing them because I would come and get them in the lobby and say, hey, let's go. You, you, like, you like foosball? Let's go play some foosball for a while. We don't play foosball for 15, 20 minutes. Unbeknownst to them, we just had the interview. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. So what's new? I know we were just doing a bunch of talking, but I just like our, our random intros before we uh, actually really get started. Yeah, what are you drinking, by the way, this morning? Uh, just some green tea. Oh, nice. Just some, uh, just some green I tea. Went, I went for tea this morning, too. I went for chai um, because I was too lazy to actually make a latte this morning. So yeah. I'm also going with tea this morning. Yeah, I, I get into this habit where... Um, I'll start drinking too much coffee. I like having like some kind of hot beverage to sip on throughout the day. Yeah. Um, now, green tea definitely has caffeine in it, but like if I'm drinking coffee all day, I'll be buzzing around at 11 o'clock at night. So last week I got back into the bad habit of having a couple of Nespresso pods, you know, mm. later in the day. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I got to dial them back. Have like, you know, <laughs> I have like you know, my drip coffee in the morning with breakfast. Maybe I have an espresso like mid morning. Got to cut that back and go with uh go with the green tea just to have something to to sip on do you um what what uh do you sweeten it do you just go straight up like what do you uh just go straight yeah no i don't put anything anything in the tea yeah 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 i i i like the uh as and then that's a quick side note um have this sweet camp mug um that is very nice yeah it's a cool like mug that you would think you'd have sitting around the uh the campfire um but it's phenomenal at holding the temperature of of the beverage so yeah like i usually when i make my my lattes i use a little ceramic mug and if i don't drink it within oh it cools immediately yeah, it's it's starting to get cold, and even mm-hmm. I preheat the mug. Like I'll I'll preheat it with boiling water before <laughs> I um, make my drink in it. And even still, like ten minutes in or so, it's getting cold. But but this mug, like I can sip on this tea for an hour or so when it's still hot. It's awesome. Nice. My my mother in law does that. She's got her whole like pre coffee routine. Yeah. Um, you know, she'll she'll preheat the mug with with boiling water. She'll nuke the mug. You know, and get it all nice and warm, run yep. boiling water through the mug, then make the coffee so so it stays yep. hot. Like, I mean, she wants her food, her coffee, all of that, like, scorching hot. I mean, I let it cool just a bit so, like, yeah. I don't burn my tongue and, and whatnot. Yeah, I, I I do the same. And, and in fact, I've been asked within the past couple of weeks about the coffee and about my food videos, and I'll touch on both of them briefly. But mm-hmm. on the coffee, you can see my machine behind me 
Um, in the morning, it takes 45 minutes to make my, my cup of coffee. Okay. Um, most of that time is preheating. Um, okay. Which is not entirely necessary, but I heat this thing up for about 40 minutes or so, um, including the portafilter. Um, so everything is like hot and up to temperature. So all the internal components, every, all the piping that's going to move the water, I have it at a pretty even, it's, it's heated mm -hmm. up. Um, and then I get up and I do similar to your, your mother-in-law. I, I fill up a, my mug with water. I pop it in the microwave for a minute, get it super hot. Uh, and then I come and make the drink and clean it all out. And that, that whole process is like 10 to 15 minutes just to make the first cup and mm -hmm. people are like, oh, it's so long to make a simple cup. Like just pop in the pot and do it. And I'm like, I know, but man, I, I found that the process of doing it is so meditative. Like it's, it's my time. Like it's my time to enjoy that, that time of making the coffee. And it's, it's not a rush to get the cup of coffee made. It's just enjoying that process and each step along the way. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah, it's interesting that I'm finding that, ability to slow down to be so rewarding. Um, so I don't know if you noticed or not, but on the site, I've started making some videos on YouTube around. Oh yeah, they're awesome. Um, and one of the playlists I have, I've called uh, the sound of food. So mm -hmm. I set up my, I set up my camera, I set up my lights and I film myself making a meal, no commentary, no talking, just the preparation of the food, the site, the sound of it. Uh, and someone reached out to me like, oh, I love these, I love these videos, but how much time is this adding to, to making a meal? And I'm like, probably double. It's probably doubling the time it takes me to make the meal. But I found that it's so much more enjoyable. Usually when I make a meal, it's rushing from step to step and multitasking and helping the kids do that and running and doing this other thing. And it's just a race to get it done and a bunch of other things done. And by the end, I'm like, sweating and tired i'm like i don't even want to eat i'm worn out cooking the meal you know mm -hmm. but now it's like i'm pre-planning it i'm setting everything up i'm going through it very meticulously and deliberately and just the process of slowing it down and enjoying each specific step i'm like this is so much more enjoyable and i'm finding the food more enjoyable because it wasn't like this race to just throw everything together it was going through each piece and like really putting it together. So yeah, it's been, it's been cool. Yeah. Very cool. I've been enjoying, enjoying the videos. And I mean, it, it's definitely showing, it, it gives you a chance to show, show a different side of you as well. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something that maybe people who have worked with you currently or in the past have not, have not seen. Yeah. I was surprised because I, I thought I shared a lot of my culinary experiences, but um, as I've pushed, pushed this out, um, a lot of people are like, I didn't even know you were into cooking. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I started cooking when I was in, in high school when I rejected auto shop for, for culinary arts. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's, it's cool. Um, yeah, I was talking with Carrie at HBR yesterday and she's like, she's like, this is so awesome. Like, why are you, you know, doing this? And what was the motivation? I'm like, I don't know. I just love cooking and sharing it. So nice. Uh, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think that that leads perfectly into what I want to talk about today. You know, trying to to, to be timely, but um, the notes I wrote up were just kind of a you know a um, a stream of consciousness with things that people have been dealing with for the, like the last three to four months. Because you know we we've said it before in previous episodes, 
And it's even truer now. Like these times are not normal. Mm -hmm. Like people are stressed out on, on multiple fronts. And the topic today is, is being human at work. Um, We've all been conditioned that we need to have some kind of corporate image. We have to uphold, uphold at work. And thinking about this before we started recording, you know, I think back to the internship I had, which was 20 years ago, and you needed to be prim and polished and, you know, proper. And like, you couldn't even have facial hair. Guys had to be clean shaven all the time. Uh, they, they, this was the, this was the general manager's role. Like uh, yeah. uh, ultimately his role. Nope. Everyone is, is clean shaven. There were a couple of times I came in with, you know, like a little goatee or something like that. And like, shave it now, go into the locker room and shave it. I'm like, really? Like, it wasn't like I, you know, I was unshaven. It wasn't like um, anything like that. It was just like I had a little bit of facial hair. And I thought of that. And then I thought of my first job out, out of college. And, you know, like, you know, the, the, there was definitely the, the strong message of, of you leave your personal stuff at home. When you come yeah. to work, it's about work. You leave whatever's going on in your personal life there, and you come to work. Um, so if we look back at the last couple of months, you know, it, it's been trying for people on multiple fronts. So if we think back to end of February, beginning of March, um, you know, we had the start of the COVID-19 pandemic here in the United States. You know, people have been scared, stressed out, and struggling to manage at times. Um you know, that required corporate office workers to to work from home and not just that, but also work from home where you're not used to doing it. You may not have a dedicated workspace um, and you're also homeschooling your kids at the same time. I mean, like that, uh, just the the, the level of uh, of stress right there. So like you think about it, like, you know, you had the sounds of family going on in the background of, of conference calls, you know, stuff that normally wasn't happen. And then you add the, the, the recent events, the, the murder of George Floyd and the resulting protests and demonstration yeah. uh, demonstrations, you know, that has now further pushed people to break down that stoic corporate image that maybe they've built up over years for, they felt they either they needed to, or they've been told to, to, to share their personal feelings. Yeah. And you, you've got these two worlds colliding. I've been told I have to be, you know, work Jim or, or work Jason, and then there's personal Jim and personal Jason. Those two worlds are colliding and they're fighting with each other. Um, you know, why have we been told that we have to have this corporate image that is devoid of any kind of, of personal notes? Um, and why can't we share what, what's going on personally? You know, what, what are the roots in that? And then Ultimately, I want to talk about, you know, as those events, the COVID-19 pandemic, the murder of George Floyd have pushed people to be much more personal. What, what's actually happening is people are shedding that, that, that corporate facade. Yeah. So to, to answer the why, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there have been books and there are probably whole semesters at colleges spent on, on this very topic. But for, for me, I think at its very core, it's, it's more of a, a conversation about the human condition and human struggle than it is about, about the business world. It just, the business world is, is a good fit for extending this. And that is that as humans, um, I, I think we're constantly fighting the fear of being vulnerable. Okay. And, 
And as humans, um, we, we have this fear of, of just being who, who we are. Um, and I think that that is just part of the, the human condition that all of us are, are fighting against and are, you know, we can call it reptilian. We can call it just something that we're, we're born with, but we have this, um, this survival mechanism or something in our, in our brain that tells us you need to protect yourself from, from being vulnerable and being personal, being a human, being flawed, um, is human, but it's very fearful. And, and so be, because of that, we, we've developed this, this idea of a different gym, a different image, a corporate gym, a corporate Jason. Mm -hmm. Um, and, Again, I think you can look back through time and see that this is is something that, that we've struggled with. So I think it's important to kind of spend some time thinking about that and, and kind of abstracting away from the business world and just kind of pondering on vulnerability for a while. Right. And I'm not a I'm not a um, religious scholar and I don't know a ton about the development of religions, although um I think it was it was it Alan Watts? I can't remember. There, there was a book uh, that I read probably 20, 25 years ago about world religions. It was just fascinating. Um, one of the stories that's really interesting is the story of Adam and Eve um, in the Garden of Eden. And when you when you think about it, or when I think about it in the sense of vulnerability, you know, you have these humans living in in paradise, and and all of a sudden they're awoke and they're in front of God, and what happens? they're vulnerable. They're, they're naked, right? That's their mm -hmm. vulnerability. And their first thought is we need to run and hide. We need to hide our vulnerability. And I think that that's a lot of what we see in the business world with the suits and the clean shaven and then that's hiding, right? That's, that's putting on the fig leaf. That's hiding our vulnerability. Um, why is it the way it is today? I think it's institutionalized. Um, my, uh, my, my grandfather was a, was an executive in a steel mill. Um, he was, a well, I don't know about an executive, but he, he didn't work in the plant. He, mm -hmm. he, uh, he worked in the business office. He did, uh, he was in, uh, an industrial industrial, uh, he, he analyzed, um, the, the production line. So a lot of like, we gather data and optimize websites. He did that for the still production line. Um, and it was in the forties and fifties when he was really at the height of his career, I think. And the whole idea of putting on this corporate image was, was huge. Um, and I first learned about it uh, in the early 2000s. I was struggling a bit with my first job out of college. And he said, you know, I'm willing to get some money to invest in sending you to charm school. I'm like, what the hell is charm school? I, and um, so I started looking into it a bit and maybe they still exist. I don't know. But at the time, in, in, at the time when he was in business, it was something businesses would do that they would send their executives, their people that were white collar workers to mm -hmm. something called a charm school to teach you how to act, look and behave in a business office. Right. And it was, yeah. it was all about breaking down the self and becoming part of this group of this is how a business person in a white collar should act. It was a very real thing, and I was shocked by it. That's awesome. As you're talking, all I could think about is that scene from A League of Their Own, where you know they, they, they get the women's league together, and part of the th one of the things they're told is you're going to go to to charm school, 
uh, mm-hmm. so, and then they have the scene of them that the, the, them in charm school as as well. So I, all I could think about is, is is what he went through as well. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a thing, you know, and it was interesting. Um, a few years ago, after they had both passed, I was um, I was cleaning out their home, and I found all sorts of interesting things, and I found several books on charm and etiquette. Um, and these books, and I'll, I'll have to see if I can find a couple of them. It's almost embarrassing how like backwards they are about how you should operate in the workplace. And for a man, for a man, it was embarrassing. For for a woman, it was just downright like disgusting reading. Yeah, like really, this is bullshit. <laughs> like, how is this a thing? But it was so. I mean, it was ubiquitous. It was so generally accepted that this is these are the roles you play. Right. Mm-hmm. This, it's not about you as a person, but when you walk through these doors, you play a part. You're acting, right? Yeah. And and still today, 2020, we're we're still you know we still have pieces of that in in the business world, especially some of these older institutions. Like it's so ingrained in how they work that even though they're rejecting and shunning some of those notions, the artifacts of it are still everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny you mentioned one thing, and I don't know if you mentioned it on purpose or or not. But you talked about the the breaking down of the self, because mm-hmm. if you think about like you know we're starting off talking about like the why. Why have people been trained that you have to have some kind of work or or corporate image? And you made a lot of sense there. I say in breaking down the self, because yeah. then when you break down the individuality of it, it's you're coming to work and you're just a cog in the wheel. You're a worker. You're, you're, you're a worker and and yeah. that is that is it it's a, it only matters about what you produce yeah yeah I, I mean I think I, I I think these things came about through a lot of thought I don't think it just organically happened that you know the way that we work um, and and even our school systems like they all supported a notion of creating an army of, of workers mm-hmm. and and everything that we did was to to support that. Um, and there were probably some good that came out of it. And there's a whole lot of bad that we're trying to undo that came out of it that, you know, we're, we're not just a, a resource. We're not, you know, we're not a, uh, a utility that you just plug into the system. We're humans. We're, we are individuals. And to strip away the self and, and try to make us into clones that just work. And I use that term a lot in some of my old writing. I, I noticed my, my first, my first few years out of college, I noticed that I used the the term corporate clone a lot Mm -hmm. um, because I saw it like it was my first exposure to it. Even in this was early 2000s. I saw it. I'm like, this is bizarre to me. And I feel I feel alien and I feel like I'm not given the opportunity to go to where I want to go in my career because I'm not willing to be a corporate clone. And I kept using Mm -hmm. that term over and over again. But it's how it was. It's how it is still in, in lots and lots of places. And I think, you know, we've seen it firsthand because we've rejected that notion. And I, it, it definitely going back to being, being vulnerable, being who you are is means you're vulnerable. Right. And that's why we, we put on the corporate suit and become someone else is because we don't want to be vulnerable. We, we, we question that and force people to be vulnerable. And, and, you know, it, it's, it's a shock to some people, right? I think once they're able to let that vulnerability um, surround them, it becomes a beautiful thing. But we've seen several instances in the way that we work 
where people are like, this is weird. Like, I don't, I don't know if I like this. In fact, you know, we've had one story where someone said, you know, we don't do this. Like, you don't, you don't talk about, we don't care. You know, like if you want to engage in personal conversation later off the clock, that that's fine. But when you're at work, you work. We don't, we don't talk about how's your day or, you know, how's it going? If we do, then it's just, you say, okay, it's good. Like, you know, there's a script you follow. They're not really asking how you are doing. It's just the script. Go along with the script. Yeah. So I started thinking about this one company I interviewed with uh, 12 years ago. It's uh, It was a technology services company over in New Jersey. And when you went there, they, they had a corporate dress code. Everyone wore suits to work. Not just like your business casual, like khakis and some kind of collared shirt. It's you wore a suit to work. And I'm like, and the more I talked about, it, I'm like, this feels more like just trying to put on an image instead yeah. of like, you know, are we actually doing work here? It's, it's, you know, does it really matter? I, I have to sit in a suit for eight, nine hours a day. Does am I, is my work that much better? Or do you just want the, the nice pretty picture that you can send to clients? Yeah. So I have two stories on that and I may have shared them in the past. I think I may have shared them with you. I, maybe I haven't shared them on the pod, the podcast. So, um, the first story, again, going back to my very first job out of, out of college, I, I really struggled with this concept of this, you know, who am I supposed to be? What, what image am I supposed to portray? And, and going back to the offer of going to charm school that came mm-hmm. up because I, you know, I was struggling. I was kind of looked at as an outsider in the, in the group. I was, I wouldn't say I was constantly in trouble, but I was never being recognized. And I was definitely seen as a problem within the team. Mm -hmm. And um, I I finally broke down and went and talked to the director of of the organization who I've talked about before on this podcast, Paul Bartholomew. Amazing man, amazing man. Like he has shaped my career in, in so many amazing ways. And I sat down and I, I can clearly picture his office and how it felt. Uh, I sat in the chair across from him and I said, I, I don't understand what's happening here. And he said, you know, Jason, there, there are, um, there are two kinds of leaders in, in, in most organizations. There, there are the, um, I can't remember the word he used, but the, the proper leaders, like the leaders that have been given the title, the title leaders, you've been promoted, you've been given the title of leader. And so you're a leader. Um, those are one type of leaders. And there's another type of leader called a a natural leader. They're never given the title of boss, of manager. They're not given HR responsibility. You don't have a budget to hire a team, but the team looks to you and follows your lead. He said, you are a natural leader. And the fact that you're not willing to fall into line and become the corporate clone, that scares this organization. That scares the people in this company because they see that you're a natural leader. They see that people follow you and they're scared that they're going to follow you and you're not falling in line with the image they want you to portray. Mm-hmm. So that was a, that was a super interesting conversation to, to kind of um, book in that. Um, and I love this, this story cause I think it has informed a lot of how we work and how we operate. Um, I can't remember the year, but I was at Omniture. Um, I think my first year that I worked at Omniture, I was assigned to the uh, Viacom account, specifically MTV. And um, they had been uh, an Omniture client 
for some time before um, I was put on the account, maybe a year or so. And they had been okay, um, but but Omniture was very interested in growing their relationship with MTV, obviously part of the Viacom family, a huge potential brand. Um, and I was assigned with two others uh, in the organization to go out to New York and spend some time with the Viacom team, the MTV team specifically, um, to, to build and grow the relationship between the two companies. Um, and I, I clearly remember again, sitting across from my boss, uh, the day before I was to fly out to New York and him telling me, okay, here's, here's, here's your dress code. Here's your charm school etiquette. Here's how you're to act. Here's how you're to dress. Please cut your hair. <laughs> Please shave your beard. You know, mm -hmm. it was a whole list of things that I needed to do to prepare for this very important trip, you know? Um, can you take a guess what I did? You did You did the complete opposite. Yeah, I did none of those things. I ignored the dress code he told me. I didn't cut my hair. I didn't shave my beard. I, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. I, I'm going to be me. If it's a failure, fire me. <laughs> you know, like, I can't, I can't do it. So we flew out to New York. The two other guys I were with, very, very good guys. Um, our first day... Um, the, and if you've ever been, have you ever seen the Viacom offices downtown? It's it's in Times Square. Uh, no, in, I, I, I don't know. It's a crazy place. Not my not my scene. But nonetheless, <laughs> our first day there, we we walk in and you know meet the team from from MTV, and um, we talk for a while, and they decide you know let's 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 give you a tour. Let's meet other people. Um, so you know I think. Cartoon Network and a whole bunch of other families were there. I have a picture of me sitting in the, I think it's called the thinking chair. I can't remember the name of the series that it's the blues clues, I think. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. So I have a picture of me sitting in the blues clues chair. Cause we met the, uh, we met the team there. Um, and it was, it was right after that, we were standing around on one of the floors and a group of people came by and, they came up to the, the guy that was kind of our chaperone showing us around and they said, what, what's going on today? Who, who are these, you know, what's going on with these people in the building? Um, we know this guy and they pointed to me and I had jeans on and a t-shirt. We know this guy works here. Um, but who are these two guys? Cause they were, they were in the Omniture dress code. They were in dressed up in their tie and their button down shirt and their, you know, slacks. We know, we know this guy works here. But who, who are these two? Right. And it it instantly clicked for me. Right. Like and I wasn't trying to be MTV. I wasn't trying to like dress their part, their role. I was just being you just me. fit in. I just fit in. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't want to say because of that. I think we did amazing work for them. We, we ended up massively expanding that that brand for for Omniture. But I think a part of it was there was some trust there. There's some authenticity. You know, we made that connection. It's like we fit in, you know, mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're like you. Um, and, and to me that, that event was really important in my career because it reinforced everything I had thought all the way up to that point that you can, you can be not only okay, you can be extremely successful being authentic, being who you are. And, and I'm not saying that to be flippant and to like, say, 
you know, you shouldn't read the room and you shouldn't read kind of the environment you go you're going into and have some kind of respect for, you know, tradition and, and things like that. But I am saying that um, we shouldn't be wasting our time putting on a suit. And I'm not saying a physical suit. I'm saying a metaphorical suit, a costume, right? We shouldn't be spending so much of our time honing an image of what we think we should be that's going to get more business done. We should just be humans because it's amazing that when you're human, when you're vulnerable, you realize that everyone else is vulnerable and is a human and you can bond and connect over that. Yeah. And it's amazing. I, I, I found when, when you do break down those barriers, what you're able to actually get done. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's one of those things where, there's always a point in a project where things get stressful. Like if you want to think of that from that level, there's always, there's probably multiple points when it comes to a client relationship where things get a little bumpy. You know, I, I found when you make an effort to, to break down that barrier and build that personal connection, it makes those times better. Um, you know, the, yeah. It, it, it helps you get through that rocky point in a project. It helps you better get to the point where, say you do reach that bumpy point in a client relationship, it helps you get through it. And because you're actually, you've already had those initial conversations that break down those barriers. So it's easier to get to, to a more genuine conversation about what's going on. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and to even extend that a little further, it's, by removing those barriers and having that connection, not only is it important to ensure that the things we're signing up to do get done, and it helps at least in our experience to do that better, there's there's a spillover effect in which we end up actually caring for the people mm -hmm. that we work with. And I think that's one of the outcomes of this that has really crystallized for me in, in that, um, yeah, we work with businesses. We work with a lot of big businesses and, and they ultimately pay for, for us to, to do that work. But I've kind of shifted the way we've, we've focused on it in that we've, we've looked at people before the business. And in fact, I've said this to several of the companies that we work with is that we're going to make your business successful by making your people successful. And it is so appreciated by the people on the ground because it's an approach they've never seen before. And I was having a very emotional, raw conversation with uh, a couple people to people at a client that we recently lost, um, a, a big travel company that has been hit extraordinarily hard. And uh, I was talking to, to one of the, the people we work with there um, and she was saying, I'm going to tell everybody that will listen to me what it's like to work with you because I've never experienced anything like this. It is so amazing. So refreshing. The fact that you care and I know you care about me and my success and my career. I've never felt that from, from most people I've worked with, let alone a third party agency. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I'll just never forget that. It's just, I've never had that opportunity. And, and again, like we continue to get these experiences where it reinforce, reinforces this idea that doing business as people, as humans and connecting and shunning the, the fact that we're not going to play a part. We're not going to have the dialogue. We're not going to put on the costume 
is working. And it's, it's not only working from a, we're making positive things happen in business. That's fine. Uh, to be honest with you, it's not my motivator. I, you know, I don't, I don't get super excited about making companies that make billions of dollars, a few hundred more million dollars. I used to get excited about it. I don't anymore. What, what, what motivates me, what makes me fulfilled is, is helping people see and live a better life. And the fact that we're able to do that and because of that, help these companies make millions of more dollars. I, I feel good about the, the, the people part of it. And, and it works like it is working. Um, and if nothing else, and I don't, I don't know about you. I'm sure it, it may be similar. The the stress, the strain, the energy spent to preparing and playing a part, as if I'm an actor on Broadway, was too much. Like letting that go and not having to spend energy on that is so freeing. It's so freeing to just let that go. Because you know, when you're doing that, you're constantly worried about: Am I going to say the right thing? Did I say the right yeah. thing? Did I say the the wrong thing? Um, you know, the, just the, the the current the the constant worry um, yeah. about that. Um, you know, do I look the right way today? You know, did you know? A, you know, am I going to to, to be promoted or or not? And I mean, yeah, you we, you know, let's not kid ourselves. I mean, there's definitely facets of this that, that, that still exist in, no in corporate America. No um, so for say someone who's been either dealing with the need to do that or someone who's been conditioned to do it, what are, what, what are some ways, you know, that, that people can start to bring a more human approach, you know, to their work? Like a, a quick story when, um, Jen and I were over in London meeting with, with Adam at, at, at Dixon's car phone. You know, we, we were chatting with him, And one of the things he does to really get to know someone on a personal level is mm -hmm. he goes out for drinks with them. And in, in some places like that, that's again, you know, we don't talk about taboo, you know, he, he doesn't get them loaded, but he goes out <laughs> for drinks. You know, because he's like, you know, when you're just sitting at, you know, for, you know, what he was saying was, is when you're sitting at a pub table, just having drinks and chatting, you know, the, just the atmosphere alone takes away, yeah. you know, the, the, you're out of the work environment. So that, that, that work person goes away and he goes, I can quickly start to see and, and, and feel who the, this person really is. So, you know, it, it, you know, hearing you talk like this has been something you've always been. I mean, me, on the other hand, I fell into the conditioning early in my career 20 some years ago. And yeah. it was probably eight years ago, 10 years ago that I realized like that it was. And in some cases I was being a little phony because I'd been conditioned that you have to have your work persona. And this is only what you could talk about work and, and whatnot. How do you help someone break out of that? Um. Yeah, I mean, I think it's spending some time thinking about, again, that, that idea of being vulnerable and figuring out how you can become more comfortable with it. And I would say that my answer today is going to be vastly different from just a few months ago, ago because I think for for good, we're kind of being forced or we're, we're, we have a better framework for being more authentic today, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's gonna be a little easier right now to start to put that into play um, compared to all being back in the office and having this predefined kind of stage laid out for us. And I, I'm sure many of you that have been doing conference calls are, are seeing that. And it's one of the outputs that I've just loved about everybody being at home 
is it's removed this costume and um, seeing business executives that work for billion dollar companies sitting in their home in a t-shirt on webcam is so amazing to me because it makes them human. You know, seeing them as just a role apart and now seeing them sitting in their home and their family in the background or, you know, whatever, it's like, they're, they're human. They're just, they're human like me and, and we're much more able to relate with each other. So we all have that opportunity right now. The, a lot of the barriers temporarily um, have been removed. And so mm -hmm. I think that, that um, the sense of, of being vulnerable, it's, it's much less so right now. Take advantage of it, right? Take advantage of the fact that we've, we've lost a lot of that forced corporate structure while we're all working remotely. So take advantage of, of that time because it's not going to be that way forever. And I would say when we go back to some kind of sense of normal, and we're already seeing it in some places here in Utah, people are already going back into the offices, um, that will change quickly. And we're going to go back to being an actor on a stage wearing a costume and, and speaking from a script. So I would say be conscious of that and learn what you learned now and and continue to put that in play when you go back in it's it's going to be uncomfortable being vulnerable is uncomfortable but the upside of doing it is is so massive it you know the upside of being human of being authentic outweighs anything that you could ultimately get you know from uh well am i going to get the raise am i going to get the promotion all that stuff is hollow you know and can be taken away from you in an instant but the fact that you're human and you're making real connections, those are things that are authentic and aren't going to be stolen from you. You know, you're going to keep those things for a lifetime. So focus on that, you know, use this opportunity now and, and just be authentic. And, you know, I know people are want one specific thing that I would, I would ask people to experiment with. And I know people are having all sorts of fun with like the zoom backgrounds and, you know, all the different things that you can put, filters on you know your your video don't do it you know have fun with it and then let it go you know mm -hmm. you don't need to put a, a, a fake cowboy hat on digital you don't need to like blur out your background and put some fancy bookcase that's just a digital image back there it, it's not necessary and in fact it's defeating the purpose or the opportunity that we have right now to be authentic it's okay to just flip on your camera and be in a t-shirt and, you know, sure, I got a stack of papers and it's a mess over here. That's fine. Like, don't overthink it. Just be who you are and be authentic. It's going to, it's going to create a ton of positive value. So if you're still doing that, have fun with it. Try out all the filters, try out all the backgrounds and then stop doing it. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not a positive thing. Um, I know it's fun. I know it's, it's quirky, but it's, it is limiting the value of connecting with other people as, as humans. Um, I've seen a couple different variations of it, but like it, it, there's you know, the, the core of like this, like comic strip or, or image that, that that's been circulating, you know, it's, it, it's a corporate worker, you know, sitting at the kitchen table, um, you know, on obviously on some kind of video call 
and you yeah. see them dressed nice from like the head head down. So they're wearing like a nice collared shirt and shorts. <laughs> and behind them is this perfectly curated background bookshelf, whatever. Every, you see it everywhere. Everyone's got like the yeah. curated bookshelf, but then everything else around them is is a disaster. You know, kids' toys here, yeah. plates piled up there. It's a mess. It's like this yeah. is this is all of us right now. And it's okay to show that it, it, it really is. Um, and, and people, again, I think you will find that you will create much more meaningful, authentic relationships when you're willing to be who you are. And when you realize that you can be vulnerable because the rest of us are too, you know, we don't need to put on the tough guy outfit and this is completely off topic. And I guess it's good because it aligns with our tangents theme. Um, I was say, is it but, a tangent? It is, a, it is a quick tangent, but more of just an aside that uh, you reminded me of something. Go watch Skid Row Marathon. It's a documentary, and I need to update my documentary list of recommended documentaries. Amazing, amazing documentary about a judge in, in L.A. But the reason I thought about it is um, so he's trying to change the lives of, of homeless and at-risk um, people in L.A., and he's doing it by creating this marathon club where he goes and he runs with homeless people down in Skid Row uh, in LA. And um, he's trying to oh, like overlay that with his job as a judge that puts a lot of these people in those, those situations. And the, the image I can't get out of my head is him on the bench trying to show compassion in his judge robe, in his dress shirt, and then he gets up and walks away and he's got a pair of runner shorts on and his running shoes on. And, but you never see it, right? Because it's hidden behind the bench, but he's like, yes. this is who I really am. This is, this is a role I have to play and I don't really even like the role, but it gives me the opportunity to interact with these people. And that's why I wear the shorts and the shoes because that's really who I, who I am. Right. And, that's really cool. and, and even if we're not completely comfortable with, um, wearing the full runner outfit in, in our work environment, we need to start to your point, like, what can we do? Start introducing components of it. You know, we don't need to go all out. We don't need to shock the system. We don't need to like purposefully go out and change our image and approach just to like shake up the system. You can start in small places of just introducing some authenticity into what you do. And I think when you do that, you'll be surprised how guarded and shielded you've been from your colleagues, from the rest of your work world with your, your personal life. You know, we, we like to think that we're, we're open and personal, but I think if, if we really think about it, if we really examine our, our work world, I think a lot of us will say, wow, you know, I'm spending way too much time curating an image. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I missed out on an opportunity here. So start just looking for some small, small pieces within your day to day to just be a little bit more real, a, a little bit more authentic. And, and expand from there as you you gain some comfort and trust. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest with you. It's something I think I still fight from time to time. You know, am I saying the right thing? Am I am I giving off the right image? Because it, it, it's programming that I know I, I still have. And I know I'm, I'm still trying to fight it. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a constant thing. Um, but as long as our our mind and vision is in the right place, I you know, I think what we continually to continue to move toward a better place. And we have to realize that a lot of the people that we're working with are far, far behind us in, in that journey. And we need to help them 
uh, along along the way and and find opportunities to inject that in. So, um, but it's it's hard, you know. It, it is so ingrained. Um, a, a couple quick stories, and I know we're running kind of short on time here, um, but you know we see this in everything we do. I think the interview process is the the pinnacle of this fakeness of, of what we show mm -hmm. in the business world. I mean, we both sides, right? The employer and the employee fake it like you would not believe during that that process. And it's it's interesting. It's like we expect the relationship to be something real, yet the start of our relationship is extremely fake. Um, one thing I started doing when I was a hiring manager um, at Spark Networks is I would interview people. In fact, they didn't even know I was the hiring manager. They didn't even know I was interviewing them because I would come and get them in the lobby and say, hey, let's go. You, you, like, you like foosball? Let's go play some foosball for a while. We don't play foosball for 15, 20 minutes. Unbeknownst to them, we just had the interview. Good. Right? You're helping to break down the, their, their guard yeah. and see how they do things. They just broke it down. So, you know, look for those opportunities, Adam, going out with colleagues for drinks. Look for those opportunities to break down those barriers. And the last thing that, that I would add um, is if you are a hiring manager, please, please take this to heart that you should look for what people are, are doing within the organization much more heavily than the role they are playing. Um, last story. I was at Omniture. Uh, I wanted to be promoted. I was never going to get promoted at Omniture. I didn't fit the corporate image that they wanted me to be. I ended up going and talking to the director of the organization. And um, he flat out told me, this is never going to happen here unless you're willing um, to, to play the role. And he's like, I would start by cleaning up your, your dress. T-shirt and jeans is not going to cut it if you want to be in management here. You need to clean up your dress. So being the uh, flippant kind of F you. You wore shorts to work, didn't you? No. <laughs> I wore... I wore um, I wore a tie and a button-down shirt and slacks, and I completely dressed it up. I didn't say a word to anybody. I just did it. Being the natural leader, do you want to guess what happened as a result of it? People started following along with what you were doing. Yeah. The organization, like so many people in the team started wearing a tie, and then people were trying to outdo each other and wear suits and full-on like just to the next level. And he, the director of the team finally called me back and he's like, all right, I get it. I get it. You know, you don't need to rub it in my face. Like, I, I get it. You're just being flippant here. I'm like, I haven't talked to any of these people. He's like, just, just make it stop. Just make it stop, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're, if you're in that position, you know, stop, 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 you know, stop with the charm school, stop with, the, you know, sure. There's one thing about being just a, a decent person and, and having some refinement. That's not what I'm talking about. You know? Stop forcing people to play a role. Stop forcing people. This is the most important part. Stop forcing people to be clones. We're not clones. We're individuals. Um, it's that individuality that makes us amazing. It's that that rawness, that vulnerability that makes us human. And by, by being human, we can connect on deeper levels. And if nothing else, it makes those relationships fulfilling. But we have proven through our work that it's those authentic relationships that make business success truly possible. So I will leave it at that. And I think that's a great place to, to wrap up because I've got nothing more to add. 
Awesome. I love the conversation. It's a good one. Yeah, this this was this was a good one. Um, yeah, because yeah, the recent events I think have really pushed people to to drop those facades and yeah. And, and really kind of share what's going on and the the after effects of which, because I yeah. think that the one thing we didn't get to touch on with this is just, you know, not just showing who you are, but like that you're not just a machine to churn out work, that yeah. these are stressful times and they're impacting everybody differently. Yeah. And we need to be there for for others who who are struggling right now for for, for one reason or for multiple reasons. Um, we're not just cogs in a wheel. Yeah, no, that's a great way to say it. Couldn't so agree more. I think, you know, we, I think we need to have a follow up and talking yeah. about just like being human at work part two, talking about like, you know, being aware of, you know, people being, you know, impacted and that they're not just here to, to be a clone or to just, you know, stamp out a widget every night. Yeah. Right. Treat people as humans. Exactly. Cool, yeah. man. Well, right. thank you much. Thanks, Jim. This was awesome. Right. Catch you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.